Americans, you say it wrong. You, you know, you don't enunciate the TV properly. It's like, oh, yeah, she was a cunt. A little bit of a cunt. Instead of a cunt. Like a proper hard T at the end. You know, there's a there's a way that the English say it that allows it. And then in, in Australia, it's just like, I mean, it's like saying, hey, mate, or hey, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. They don't cunt. Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. We've got a special guest today. Ian Stanley, comedian, not Tears for Fears, Ian Stanley, unfortunately, uh, for for everyone, really, because that would be a bunch better. Uh, I don't know. Is that dude still alive? You're like, we were talking about him before is, the yeah, show. He's, he's still around. Not for long. You should. That's It's like the one. Remember that old Jet Li movie? you got to go to that parallel universe and murk that dude so you can gain his power. I'll take it. Yeah. I mean... I'm sure that some tears would be shed, but that's okay. You'll become a much better musician probably after that, you would think. Right? Yeah, that's that's my weak spot right now. I'm not very good <laughs> musically, so maybe I could take over his powers. I don't know how good they are, really. I mean, how many songs did they have that were great? I mean, it's industrial, right? So I'm not sure how good they are at actual instruments. But I play, I think Ian Stanley played the guitar, right? So what the fuck? Yeah, he's this? the guitarist. We're going to have to start this over. What the fuck was that? <laughs> God damn it, man. Yeah, so it was switching. It was showing me on your end. Oh, yeah. The, don't worry about that. We, it, okay. It, it records for us just the one way. Welcome to Citizen. Take two. Ian Stanley, comedian, American and English, not Tears for Fears. Uh, and you said that you have some deficiencies in the musical side of things. Uh, but you don't want to become Bo Burnham, right? Although I like some of the stuff he does, but he's, no, he's already I'm, doing that, right? I'm very different than Bo Burnham. I'm no, I'm I'm not musically talented. I do technically have one rap song I released um, under my alter ego. Please don't, because when I was recording the rap song, my dad called me, and I said, "What's up, Dad? I'm recording a rap song," and he said, "Please don't." And so I made that my rap name, but that is not my aspiration. Uh, yeah, do you think he was right? You know what? <laughs> I think my own opinion of how much I like my own rap is uh, different than reality. In that in that realm, I will say that I'm very delusional. Okay, that's good. I mean, look, you know, being confident is important, I think. Uh, don't listen to the haters, all that bullshit. Um, but we're not here to talk about rap today. We're here to talk about uh, whatever else we're going to talk about. Definitely not rap. Um, although it does seem like if you're uh, a white man that does any kind of content, maybe you need to get into the rap game a little bit because Ben Shapiro's in uh, the rap game now, apparently. Um, what? Yeah, he did a song with that. It's that dude's name, Tom McDonald, that face tattoo guy who's anti-woke oh, yeah. or whatever. I mean, it's all really cringy, if you ask me, but... <sighs> I haven't seen the mashup yet. I, I like Tom McDonald has some very good stuff. I haven't seen it in a couple of years, but uh, I did not expect that Ben Shapiro would have been doing any sort of rapping. Yeah, well, you know, um, go check it out. Send it to your dad. See what he thinks, obviously, um, since he's a rap critic and all. Um, so <laughs> speaking of your dad, let's get back into your childhood here. Uh, you, you said your dad's English and your mom is American. Uh, is he like trying to get one back because we fucked you guys up, or what? What happened there? No, he's a. I, there's nobody more patriotic than an English person who lives in America. That's true. That's true. Yeah, my buddies Jack Osborne and Danny Warstop are the most patriotic dudes I know, and they're transplants here. Yeah, it's. Uh, well, he he still he loves England so much, but he'll never go and live there again because of the weather. Um, but he's you know he loves America and. He he's from Liverpool. My mom's from Ventura, California, so like an hour north of LA. Uh, I grew up in both. They're still together. They've been together my whole life. So I grew up in California and then partially in England. Spent part of my high school uh, at a tennis academy in England in a shithole called Sutton. Um, and so now I sound Australian. Mm. Yeah, I mean, look, it's like uh, peanut butter and jelly, right? It's put them together, you get a whole new thing. Um, uh, yeah, the weather's quite a bit different from Liverpool it's shit. to fucking Ventura, California. It's shit. Yeah, no, that's why he won't go back. It's just 
it's too bad in uh, in England. It's I mean, it's a country where the weather's so miserable that they decided to take over the entire world. They're like, I literally will be anywhere but here. Let's take I think it was eighty nine countries or something. Mm. It's pretty impressive for a tiny island. But if you spent enough time there, you'd be like, yeah, let's fucking get in the ship and go somewhere. So you think English imperialism was mostly based on not wanting to be in the weather? I think it was weather related. Yeah, I, I think most of it was a uh, just a, a gray skyline that just made them go, you know what? What if we just fucking kill a bunch of people so that we can see the sun? Yeah, but you, you know, we haven't seen that. Uh, I guess technically we are now from Seattle, right? Because it's about the same kind of weather. Um, and now they're, uh, most of the people there are either living outdoors or they're professional protesters. So I guess that's some, that's like a very bitch made version of English. They have three months of sun though. They've got a little bit of sun that creeps through for that little bit of time. Yeah. But you guys take summer holiday, right? There's a month off where everybody's on vacation. Yeah, but they go everywhere else. You don't, you don't stay in England for that. Yeah, fair enough. Um, if so you, there's one day of sun, they, all of the perks are completely full of just pink, pink people. <laughs> um, so you, you grew up in both places. Um, what was that like as a kid? I mean, it's two very different cultures. Like England, even though it's a parliamentary system and, uh, you know, the, the Tories have been in charge a lot over the past you know, some de- like what two and a half decades or so, they've been in power a lot more than most of Europe have, have had conservatives. Uh, I think the UK is probably the place that's had the longest run of conservatives. Um, but still, kind of every English politics always has like a little socialist tinge to it, no matter what they do. I think um, so. What tell tell me the difference? Uh, not not politically necessarily, but like growing up, what was it like? Ventura, which is can be kind of crunchy depending on where you are, and uh, yeah, no, I didn't live in Ventura. We were in uh, well Camarillo for part of it, and then uh, like Westlake Village with Thousand Oaks, mm. if you know what that is. Yeah, yeah. But um, that's definitely not crunchy. The, that's very uh, waspy. Maybe is the right word. Yes, me. very waspy. There's no crime. Mm. The only crime is drinking and driving, and pills, uh, right? Which, for for housewives, yeah. Well, yes. Yeah, that's very true. And the kids have so much money in high school and stuff that they're doing drugs. And, you know, like the stud occur in the high school I went to, which was a public high school, was like a BMW Mm. 3 Series. You know, they're like, well, we only gave him a 3 Series. We didn't give him a 7 or anything. You know, that'll teach him how to be a good person. Um, But, I, yeah, no, I watched all like the the celebrities' kids just go off the rails. Um, But I'd say the biggest differences were – it's culturally very friendships are very different mm. for men, especially like English male relationships. Uh, there's a book called the culture code that has this whole like mini section just on how insane English male bonding is and like how different the friendships are there. But I would define <clears throat> the greatest fear of every English man is being perceived as arrogant. So everything you're doing is sort of to make it seem as though you haven't done it on your own. Like success is not celebrated in England in the way that it is in America. If somebody in America succeeds, it's like, oh man, dude, that guy fucking, he worked hard. You know, what a badass. And in England, it's like, if you start to rise up, it's very much the crabs in a bucket of just making fun of your friends relentlessly until they come back down to your level. And so it's like, I mean, even I'd say English male relationships are basically saying the meanest things you could ever imagine to each other's faces and then the nicest things possible behind each other's backs. Yeah. That sounds Uh, like what it's like to be in the military, actually. Um, Like if you show up with a new, whatever, it's like, what are you gay or something? Like, no, I just bought a new car, dude. What does that got to do with being gay? It's like, shut up, bitch. Then when when he leaves, you're like, damn, that fucking car is dope. (laughs) Right. Well, even, I mean, it's, it, I was talking about a buddy about this yesterday. Like, you know, I grew up in the nineties and everything was gay. <laughs> and the, the funniest thing was everything we said was gay was actually like objectively straight behavior. You'd be like, Oh, you're going to go hang out with your girlfriend. Are you fucking gay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, wait, like, Oh, did you get roses for your girlfriend? Is that cause you're gay? And you're like, wait, you don't have a girlfriend. If anything you want, they're like, dude, why are you leaving the boys, dude? What are you gay? You know, like this is objectively straight behavior, but it's constantly perceived as gay. Yeah, well, gay never meant gay. You know, that's a problem. It's, it's, no, it's never. A problem of language there. Um, that's interesting. So, uh, 
maybe you had a different experience of male bonding because you were in California, where, uh, especially in Thousand Oaks, where the 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 social and emotional intelligence roots are not exactly the deepest. I'll say that right. Like you kind of brought up the affluenza situation where, you know, just giving kids whatever they want at a young age and hoping for the best. It's, I mean, the results are pretty clear on that. They really are. Like, I, I mean, I saw it firsthand, like what, and, and this isn't like what people would perceive as, you know, even like a rich person. I mean, a lot of these people are like mega wealthy, like properly rich, rich. Um, and I just, I saw that pretty much every situation where, a kid was given free reign of everything. They ended up the most fucked up. Um, and my parents didn't really weren't very strict at all, but they trusted me. And so I didn't really fuck up and I didn't want to, because I thought, okay, they've decided to give me all this freedom. I'm going to stay that, you know, I'm going to, I want to keep, I want to keep it. But I had a couple of friends who were, you know, their parents were super wealthy and they would just give them money for everything. They'd get in trouble and they wouldn't do anything. Um, or they would try to be super harsh and then the kid would end up, you know, rebelling. But you'd see, especially like, you know, I won't name names of certain celebrities, I suppose, that were there. But like the kids of, of these like mega famous mm -hmm. athletes are living in the shadow, you know, of a, a, of an athlete that is world famous and they're given everything and they just sort of end up fucking it up. Yeah, that's a problem that I think that we haven't really addressed in the modern West right now. Because even for our parents, uh, but especially before that with our grandparents and before, the goal for the, like your life would project out something like this, um, graduate high school, maybe get a job in a trade or maybe go to school, then get a job and a career and uh, uh, buy your starter home, marry some woman, start having kids, right? And then your objective would be to obviously kind of grow some wealth over the, the course of your lifetime, but your your point of focus on child rearing was very often, I'm going to give my kid, this is a trope you hear all the time, I'm going to give my kid opportunities I never had, right? Or they're going to have a better life than me. Now, <laughs> I, I don't know, I don't know what I could do to give my kids a better life than what I've had, right? Like, I've, there's been some fucked up parts of it for sure. I spent some time at war, my childhood sucked, but like my adult life is fucking dope. There's nothing I can do right. to make it in the in the traditional sense that we think of better. There's not much I can do to make my kids' life better, and I think that's a problem that just never got addressed as more and more comfort came into society, more upper middle class people and shit like that. It's like better doesn't always mean more, more stuff or whatever, right? Um, <clears throat> I think it's the the misinterpretation that comfort is better. Right, or that easy is better. Sure. I mean, it, right, that, it's, that it's was true when we were all dying of the plague and shit and couldn't find food right. anywhere, right? But now we still haven't adjusted our attitude for this new, uh, like we, we still think, and I think it's a big problem with people's insecurities and anxiety and shit right now because it's unfounded. There, there's no reason to be insecure or anxious anymore. And people still are because your body kind of fucking reacts that way. But and It's not that they still are. They're more anxious than they've ever been yeah. and they have fucking nothing to worry about. Because These it's people like a are, feedback. People are worried... They can't handle an Uber Eats driver knocking on their door. They freak out if they knock instead of leaving it at the door. Like, I can't even imagine that level of fear that you must be living in to be like, oh, my God, I'm just so worried that the, the Uber Eats guy is going to knock and that knock is going to jar me. <laughs> yeah, so they're like, softer than kitten paws, man. That's ridiculous. Oh, it's crazy. I think that's what people think is they thought that they and I think when you go back to World War Two and even Vietnam and stuff, you go, yeah, I'd like for my kid probably to not have to, you know, go to war in a jungle mm. or in a trench. And so that's what they equated with better. But now it's like, well, better is a child who's addicted to TikTok by, you know, eight years old and has no concept of focus or being outside. That's the weirdest thing is these kids are just not outside. Like, uh, yeah, I think by I think we need to start using some old language to describe this stuff. Um, like better is kind of a subjective phrase, right? Uh, and the U.S. Constitution, or I'm sorry, the Declaration of Independence, and that is uh, alluded to in the Constitution as well. Um, this idea of a more perfect union kind of implies that um, we're going to try to make it, we're, we're going to try to improve it 
each generation, but with the with the understanding that things are going to change, right? Like the life's not always going to be the same. So I guess you could debate what it means to be better from one generation to the next, or I think a more useful way to go about that is to uh, reduce this to principles. Like what are things, what are timeless things, right? Being resilient is timeless. Having a critical mind, like being able to think critically and understand, process information and throw away the chaff, keep the wheat, that's a really good skill to have, right? Being resilient is a really good skill to have. Being empathetic is a really good skill to have. But we don't, we, we just, <laughs> just as a culture, we just tend to solve things so far downstream. And I think it's why we, every hundred years or so, we rediscover the Stoics. Like, hey, have you heard of this fucking Seneca guy? Like, yeah, motherfucker. It was like 2,300 years ago. I've heard of him. Um, I've read all of his stuff. It's like, uh, uh, we don't, we, we just like forget that all of this stuff has been discovered. We unlearn lessons and then some dude fucking writes a book about it. And we're like, oh, he's fucking brilliant. It's like, no, he's just fucking... He just wrote down what that other dude said. What the fuck are you talking about? Repeating stuff from the past. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, I don't know, I think for, I don't have kids yet, but I think you want that child to to be good. You want them to be happy. You want those things. But I think as far as like their actual life, I think so much of what the older generation thought of is, okay, get a good job, you know, retire in 40 years, have a pension, whatever. I mean, I think when you're talking about how good your adult life is and like, I think for me, it's a similar thing where I, I do what I want. Right. And I love what I do. And I think that's the biggest thing that's also shifted is you don't have to go work some shit job for shit people doing something you hate for people you hate surrounded by people you hate. Uh, you can do things that are a lot more fun or a lot, you know, more entertaining or interesting or just where you, you don't have to spend eight hours a day being fucking miserable. Um, I think that's a big thing is encouraging a kid to to do what's you know what they actually want to do but then that's also a fine line because then you've got this kid who's playing minecraft all day and you go well they shouldn't do that but then you go well they might be a fucking billionaire but playing this stupid video game yeah sure but i think about it in terms so uh you know when i put somebody through basic military training i've got all the devices they need to make their life really easy gps guidance systems, all this other bullshit, uh, uh, advanced optics. And even on our, some of our sniper rifles, we've got optics that do the math for you. Basically you just punch in your dope and it does the math makes count, makes calculations for you. But that's not a replacement for knowing how to do it the right way or not the right, right way. It's not a replacement for knowing how to do it in the first place. Right. So we take the GPS away and give them a compass and a map and be like, all right, figure it out. You need to understand the underlying concept here. Right. Um, and to be resilient in life, to be resilient in the boardroom or in the engineering room or whatever the fuck, you've got to be in resilient in real life too, right? And there's, there's, it's going to be difficult to find resilience playing Minecraft by yourself. Resilience comes from butting heads with other people, taking on challenging yeah. products, doing things that are uncomfortable that you don't want to do, right? Um, yeah, well, I, dude, I think this is a, a big thing with drinking for me. Like, I enjoy drinking. I don't have alcohol problems. And... So it's, you know, it's hard for me to understand the people that do, uh, and you know, there's this whole like sober curious movement and all these things going on. And like these kids who are you know, 16 to 22, whatever, they don't drink as much anymore. Like what, you know, how we did at a party and stuff when you're 18, 19 and people go, oh, well that's healthier. Right. And it's like, well, no, cause they go to a party, but they're on a phone in the corner mm. and they're not having to deal with anything they don't want to deal with, they can, you know, escape that moment at any time they want. And they don't have to experience people, you know, and okay, maybe you have a few drinks so that you feel more competent, whatever, but that's a lot fucking better than just looking at your phone. Yeah. hundred percent. My internet go bad there. Still good. Uh, it's fine. It, it kind of lagged a little bit, but it'll be fine. Uh, yeah. Okay. Experience. Like there is a big, anti-alcohol blah 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 it's like dude i get it man but it's like it, it's just the next fad it's like crossfit or fucking carnivore or whatever the fuck i've been doing the same shit for fucking my whole life i don't give a fuck about any of these stupid fads um but i'll say this um when it comes to like sobriety and programs and all that bullshit experiential avoidance never works ever ever 
ever. You've never met, I guarantee you've never per, met a person that's in so-called recovery that hasn't relapsed at least once. It doesn't work. Uh, there's actually a phrase, what, what is it? The, um, whatever you resist persists, I think is the phrase. And right. that is true. Like if something has so much power over your life that you can't even be near it, it, it has power over you whether you're near it or not, always, right? You have to fucking solve that problem, and it's a problem in your brain that you have to solve. And it, it's like the same shit that's going on society-wide right now. We tell people, like if you look at the, the 12 steps for AA, it isn't like you're strong enough, you can fucking beat this. It's like you have no power over this, so you have to submit to some, some higher power. Like what the fuck is that, man? Yeah, I've I've got a buddy who's a you know former addict who's super into you know he he helps people with recovery and all these things and he said to me even he goes you know I think you could have a problem because I had said that the day before I'd had you know thirteen drinks from three p.m. till you know one one a.m. and he's like and I'm like you don't have a concept of drinking but also your perception is you see everything through the lens of addiction. And you don't have a concept of not being an addict. Mm. And I talked to him about the giving the power up thing. I was like, because that addicts see everything through their lens because they really don't understand what it's like to be able to be like, oh, no, I'm just not going to do that thing. Like, I can just not drink. I can just not do stuff that I don't want to, you know, that's not serving me if that's the case. Um, but I I asked him about the powerless thing. And his, his you know, I, sort of perception is that it's like you're giving up to God or you're giving it up to, and he's not even religious, but it's like, I've always struggled with that part. Cause I do think you have power. Like I, I agree with you. Well, I don't understand that's the, the first whole giving step up in the power thing. Just, that's the victim, first step that is to admit the first step literally says we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Now maybe that second part of the sentence is true, but it, admitting you were powerless over alcohol, this is like, of all of the the woke, retarded, victimhood bullshit that we've been dealing with over the past 40 years or so, this was the first one. AA was the first, like, major scripted victimhood manual. It makes no sense. Maybe, like, I'm sure it works for some folks if you're, like, if you're if you're if you refuse to take control of your own life, yeah, maybe that's going to work for you for a little while. Then it won't. Then you can come back and it'll work for a little bit longer, and then it won't. But saying that I'm powerless over this, like, how is that different than somebody saying, "Oh, I'm a fucking Gemini. Sorry, I'm being a cunt this week." Like, no, you're just a cunt, dude. Like, you don't get to fucking yeah, blame it on stars. Me. It's yeah. it's the moon. Yeah. It's not my fault. The moon is being a real bitch right now, and it's just. It's like, oh, maybe it's you, though. Have yeah. you thought about that? But Have we ridicule those people mercilessly, right? Because that's a total cop-out. It's like, no, take responsibility for shit. Don't but they're not ridiculed policy. anymore. They're celebrated. Well, now they are, yeah. Well, you, yeah, right, normal human beings ridicule thing. them, but yeah. Yeah, you're right. Well, it's kind of like, I, I think, you know, your life adapts to whatever your identity is. If you identify as a, as a fat person, then even if you lose weight for a while, you will shift back to your identity. If you identify as a fit person and you start to get overweight, you will adapt back to your identity. If you identify, this is the whole, my whole thing with anxiety right now is like these people go into a doctor and they go, Oh, I'm worried about this or that. And they go, Oh, you have anxiety. You have it. You are anxious. You're an anxious person. They go, how do you feel now? And they go, well, I feel anxious. But that's like saying you're a hungry person. I'm identified with it. That's like, Anxiety is a tool to let you know that you're not prepared enough for what you're about to face or you're unsure about what you're about to face in life. That's what anxiety is, right? So well, if you went into the doctor, like, you know, no matter how much I eat every day, I need to eat more. They're like, oh, dude, you're a hungry person. You, you, your identity is you're, you're a fucking you're suffering from hunger right now. Like, no, motherfucker. It's just a, your brain telling you you need to do something. You don't have to fucking wrap your whole goddamn identity right. up with this stuff. But the funny thing is you saying that, that's a thing now. I'm sure there's people who go, oh, no, I'm not overweight. I'm just a hungry person. <laughs> well, I want to understand it's just my – it's who I am at my core. I just have more hunger than normal people. So that's why – and it's like, no, some people get hungry and then they shift the foods they eat so that they're not so fucking hungry because they're not eating all the shit. Yeah. But, I mean, that's – I mean, it's obviously that's the extreme end of society right now, but that's also the people who are most vocal – you know, in social media and all that shit. So it's easy to, to see it and go, wow, this world is wild. You know, I've got a friend who's, 
buddy's a teacher and they have a kid who identifies as a cat. You know, I've got a friend who's a teacher and they had a student who identified as salsa. I'm sorry. The condiment. Salsa. Salsa. She had her hair. Well, I don't know if it's she or or it or whatever you call. I don't know what the pronoun is for salsa. Well, it would be in Spanish probably. Educated right? enough. But it was a, you know, biological female <laughs> who identified as a condiment and uh, dyed her hair pink and or red and green. And wouldn't do, you know, PE because, of course, a, you know, Pico de Gallo can't run track. Mm. And uh, they had, she had to just do that. And you wonder why all the good teachers, she's, you know, she fucking hates her job, hates being a teacher now, even though she loved it. Because you've got these, it's funny too, because she's a track coach and she has the most insane excuses. Uh, one of the parents said, uh, she was like, my child um, won't be running at track today because they're intolerant to running so they're out of shape yeah what the fuck does that mean no they're intolerant to running mm. they don't or she, she said they don't tolerate running well you fucking nobody does until you do it that's how running works mother of fucking christ well and I'll that's a real thing that's a parent on purpose thinking they're helping their child by doing that like those are real people and that's in fucking idaho that's not california shit that's what's so wild well if you're in quarterly and anywhere near there uh it's getting pretty la from what i'm told i got a bunch of buddies that live there but i guess i haven't actually been there yet but i can see that yeah um but I'll, I'll say this about that that young woman uh if you run into her make sure that you get affirmative consent before you start dipping tortilla chips into her that's really important these days this episode is also brought to you by black rifle coffee dot com the best coffee in the world as a matter of fact they won both the gold and bronze medal at the golden bean awards this year for their exclusive coffee club entries in the elite category so the best coffee on earth literally was circus bear by black rifle one of their ecs so i recommend that you go sign up for the black rifle coffee club use the code citizen you're going to get those points off and uh you know you get all the benefits for being in the coffee club you get the free shipping you get access to all the partner deals uh, uh you get access to the exclusive coffee club you get access to any new products that come out before anybody else does you know it's a very large club that they have over there and the coffees are premium every single one of them is good uh you, you're going to get experience for you you can do just the plain coffee club and if you want your two bags of, of uh, espresso or your two bags of silence or smooth or whatever it is you drink you can get those two bags or one bag or whatever you want every month or and or rather you can use the ecs the exclusive coffee club and get access to some of the most premium coffees on the planet and kind of learn what it is that you like you know what i mean so then you can order those premium coffees from black rifle as well so and we all know they got the best branding the best merch and their buddies you know we're all friends here uh, we love black rifle so go to blackriflecoffee.com sign up for the coffee club or buy something do whatever you want um, use the code citizen you're going to get those points off that's i said why don't you just get a chip out and just eat it you know <laughs> just get rid of, I, it's it's fucking crazy like hey would you mind I, lying I, down on these eggs i just made because i'm a big fan of eggs and salsa um no offense <laughs> you know just wanna... is that a thing eggs and salsa yeah eggs black beans and salsa is very good together Oh, okay. I was thinking pico de gallo. I hate pico de gallo. I'm not a, I don't subscribe. I don't like tomatoes or onions. I don't get it. Mm, I don't, I don't like cilantro. Everybody. Cilantro tastes like fucking dish soap to me. Cause I don't, I'm not, it's Mexico, horrible. You know? I hate cilantro's. I've got the, they I did on 23 and me. They actually tell you it's a, and I have that thing mm. and it's, I don't understand it at all. It's disgusting to me. Yeah. It's gross. Uh, and you know, so, is, so are these people like who are letting their kid like, fuck man. This is this is the slippery slope of this fucking uh, and George Carlin was talking about this in the early '90s, like this uh, hum, uh, humanist movement where everybody gets a gold star, everybody gets a medal. It's like you just be who you want to be, little Timmy. He's like, well, I want to be Batman. It's like, all right, that's kind of cute, be Batman. And then 25 years later, it's like, uh, I want to be a girl. And they're like, let's cut his fucking dick off, man. It's like, well, he's five, so maybe take a beat. Give him a couple of years, you know, because buyer's remorse is one thing, you know. I don't know what your refund policy is, but buyer's remorse on your dick is, you know, that's not great. Yeah, I have a, I have a bit that I've 
it wasn't in the i just recorded my first special and i have some bits i think you're gonna love based on what you were just saying um but the uh i've got this one that we'll see if i end up putting it into the next things i do because it's pretty wild but i basically open up and i go did you guys know that hitler used to inject toddlers with sex changing hormones in order to change their gender in the crowd what oh my god and i go no he didn't do that but we're doing that right now um and if you speak out against that you can get canceled because yeah, you call don't you think yeah. that three-year-olds should be getting sex changing hormones and i go i agree man i think give them whatever they want they're three they have you know they know what's best for them like yesterday you know you got a kid who's five I'm like yeah i want to be a zebra so great took him into the doctor cut off his hands and feet threw some hooves on the little fucker took him to a tattoo artist striped him up gave him a little mohawk and you know good for him now he's a zebra yeah like he's a child yeah i, I mean what the fuck is that technically to do. blackface though i mean i don't i guess it depends on where the stripes are <laughs> half and half yeah that um, would be half and half that'd be oreo face i yeah. think we did a movie hand. about this it was called big daddy you remember that with Adam Sandler and John Stewart, this was a movie yeah. where the kid he adopted this kid, and the kid was like, "I want to be fucking, I want my name to be Frankenstein, and I don't want to take baths anymore." It's like, all right, he yeah. went to school and it didn't work out. It was a cautionary tale, not a fucking guidebook. Yeah, that's true. That is true. That's a that's a good movie. That was one of the was one of the old good Adam Sandler ones. Yeah, well, I wouldn't expect anymore. Um, <clears throat> not comedies anyway. Nobody makes comedies anymore. Uh, what do you think about that? It's like we've you're, th this is your profession is to say silly shit, right? Um, and to weave in a little bit of rationality and then a little bit of um, let's see a little a little bit of attacking the state from time to time. I mean, like people say things like speaking truth to power. I don't like that phrase, but it is like comedy has often been about that. I mean, Shakespeare, I don't actually don't know how Shakespeare survived without getting executed by the English crown because most of the stuff he did was just talking shit about the aristocracy. Um, and during a time when the aristocracy had unlimited power too, I guess the work was just that good that he got away with it, but, um, or they, maybe if you believe that anonymous theory, but um, that's kind of been the role of independent entertainment since its inception. It's to like make fun of, serious things make fun of serious things but do it in a yeah. way that kind of exposes the how silly it is you know how stupid it is yeah i think i i, I have like a i have a whole bit in the special about this because i think it's so important that well, i think first off the worse the world is the more important comedy is um the better the world the less important comedy is because people they need an escape but they also to me you know comedy is the final frontier of free speech it's a place to say things you're not supposed to say uh, and make them funny and i would say like shakespeare's plays uh either tragedies or comedies and tragedies and comedies exist in the same vein it's just mm -hmm. the way that you look at them uh, and, and so when you look at comedy you know i have a joke about catholic priests and pedophilia now that's not a funny topic at all pedophilia i would argue is the least funny topic in the world but if we don't make jokes about it, then it's just darkness. And the point of comedy is to bring is to light up the darkness and to take these things that are horrible and give some sort of break from the horribleness. And it's like I compare it to, you know, guys in the military being in the trenches and literally telling the darkest jokes that anybody could ever imagine, because otherwise it's just darkness. You've got to make fun of it. You've got to fuck around, you know, and I think that's what comedy is here for especially in times like this when it's getting so insane um and i think there's a difference between um like that's sort of my line is i'll say anything as long as i don't feel like i'm being malicious you know i don't want to be mean but i do want to talk about whatever i want to talk about yeah i mean i think uh gallows humor is really important when you're in a fucked up situation. You know what I mean? I, and I've been in plenty of them and it's definitely helped us out. I think it's like kind of like taking a deep breath at the top of the hill when you're running so you can fucking get back to it. You know what I mean? Cause it sucks. It's not fun to run. If you have fun running, then I don't want to know you. And if you drive, if you ride a bike anywhere, that's a problem for me as well. That's just anti-cyclist propaganda it has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Um, but yeah, it's like when you're doing difficult shit, <clears throat> or even when you're in an argument, like how many times you've been 
in a tense situation or an argument and somebody does something stupid or cracks a joke and it's like, all right, that wasn't that serious, right? That's the point. It, it wasn't, it isn't that fucking serious. You know, life is kind of fucked up sometimes, but it'll be fucked up for the time that it's fucked up and then it's not fucked up anymore. And if you let the time that it's fucked up bleed into this other time, then your whole life is going to be fucked up. There's a, like a, this meme that says, did you have a bad day or did you have a bad five minutes and you let that make your day bad? You know what I mean? It's like, right. They, they, Absolutely. Well, and, and even for these people who are upset by everything and letting the news and all these things offend them, bother them, especially with, you know, and obviously I'm biased as a comedian, but like, if you can, if you can't go to a show and for an hour suspend your normal perceptions of what offends you and bothers you, then like, what well, you're, you're a fucking miserable person. Like I, and people, there are people who go, I don't really like stand up, And I'm like, you hate happiness or what's your thing? Like, it's just making people laugh. Uh, and that, you know, that just boggles my mind that people feel that way. It's so important to laugh. Yeah. I don't get it, man, to be honest. Um, being offended just takes so much energy. That's why I don't do it. Yeah. I've, I'd rather put my energy into things that I can control and improve rather than being offended. Like it's, it's also the thing that's so funny about standup compared to other things is like people like, Oh, how dare they make this joke and put it on my TikTok feed or my Instagram feed. Just fucking don't watch it. You know, just skip it. Like I hate horror films. I hate them. I don't enjoy them. I don't watch them. And I don't say though that I think all horror films should be canceled and not exist because they bother me. The, the difference is I still have to see horror, you know, a fucking trailer for it at the movies or some weird shit that they put on, you know, your TV when you're scrolling for something else. But it's like, that doesn't mean that that shouldn't exist. Mm -hmm. Although I could argue that horror is much worse for the world than comedy. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Just creating fear and, an, or, you know, I'm still afraid of the fucking forest because of the Blair Witch Project. I didn't even see the movie. I just saw the trailers. Mm. Uh, well, luckily, you don't have to go to the forest, right? So there you go. You don't have to ban forest. Well, I do. I, I, I bow hunt, so I do have oh, to. Oh, shit. Well. Um, and so... Oh, and last, uh, which is such a weird topic. I don't talk about it publicly because it's one of those things that's so fucking polarizing, but I don't care anymore. But like this last, uh, in September, we we got an elk right before sunset. And so from literally 8.30 p.m. till four in the morning, we were, you know, butchering it and then had to carry it up the steepest. It's not, there's no trails. It's just pure, just brush and bush and I'm there like, oh, this is my greatest fear. I'm, I'm afraid of bears in the nighttime. And we have bear food and wolf food right in front of us. And I just relaxed into it and ended up being one of the most enjoyable nights of just like exposing myself to my fear. Um, yeah, but you're armed, right? So that helps. No, well, we only had a bow. So I didn't, I agree with you. Normally I have at least uh, like my nine millimeter, but I'm, but no, we weren't. We didn't have any guns other than a bow, and it's pitch black. Yeah, but like, go full Legolas. And a big dude. knife. What? What are you not like? Not a not a a Legolas guy. Is that his name? That fucking twat from. Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I never seen it. <laughs> yeah, guy. that's it Legolas. Was, yeah. Yeah, I remember him jumping around, shooting bow, uh, shooting arrows at something in a fucking trailer one time. But that's about it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a little. It's a little slower than that with a compound bow, um, but. You know, theoretically, yeah. I mean, and you've got you've got knives and all the things, but we we should have had like a ten millimeter. And technically, in Idaho, it's really just going to be a black bear, so you should be fine. It's not a grizzly. Yeah, but um, yeah, or wolves could so, be wolves. Uh, that's that's actually becoming a problem in the Pacific Northwest because for some reason the state of Washington decided to reintroduce wolves into certain parts. Like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Um, anyways. We're not going to get down a conservationist rabbit hole here. Um, yeah, it's weird to me. It used to it used to be, kind of be a trope, like a little joke that a lot of comedians told, actually, that a magic show is the one show that people go to where they're trying to get angry. Like, they're trying to figure out. They're trying to ruin the show, right? They want to figure out what the what the trick is. So it's like, fuck that. Now it's like, I think it's it's definitely making a comeback now. This Overton window about sensitivity and shit is uh, is 
moving back in the other direction. If you don't believe me, uh, Shane Gillis is about to host Saturday Night Live in a couple of weeks. Um, uh, but yeah, it's like for a long time, especially during after George uh, Floyd died of that fentanyl overdose, people got really sensitive about comedy for a couple of years. It was weird as fuck, man, especially here in Austin. There's a lot of live comedy and stuff. And I saw so many people. When I say people, I mean uh, white women between the ages of 30 and 45 or so get really offended at comedy shows. I'm like, did you not know what this was when you came here? It is a comedy show. He's going to say some fucked up shit. Right. But it's, a, it's not true. It's not, it's not true. He didn't actually, <laughs> he didn't actually murder that child he's talking about in the, in the bit, you know, you know that, right? He's standing on stage. He's not in prison for right. the rest of his life. He, that's not real. You dumb bitch. I don't know. No, it's uh well, it, as weird as it is to say now, you know, I was in LA when, cause I'd moved from Austin to LA for standup and then COVID happened and, and, you know, cancel culture reached its peak and, um, you know, the irony of, you know, this is when Shane Gillis got canceled and now he's hosting SNL, which is wild. Uh, but it's definitely swung back. But there was a point there where I genuinely thought, I don't know if stand-up's coming back. Like I, you know, from the first off, it was all these people who were so afraid of being around other people. But then it was also, you know, if you said gay, you know, even if you were saying that guy is gay and it was Neil Patrick Harris, you know, they'd be like, oh, well, you're canceled now. And you're like, what do you mean? I had a guy, this is real. I did an ad uh, for my business. I did these parody ads of like, I don't know if you know who Grant Cardone is. Mm -hmm. um, I had a character called Can't Cardone. Uh, and so I would do these parody characters of these famous entrepreneurs as part of how I built my business. And in one of my ads for my book, I literally said, you know, look at this guy. I got my, you know, he's a you know handsome white guy. And, uh, and this, a guy I knew actually called me and he goes, Hey man, you, uh, you can't be running that ad. You can't be saying that. And I go, what? He says, you can't be saying that you're a white guy. And I said, and he's white, the guy who said, and I go, you know, I am white, right? He goes, yeah, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm a man. So I stated a fact. He goes, yeah, but that's offensive. You can't say that. And I went, yeah, I don't think we should be friends anymore <laughs> is what's going to happen here. If you think I can't say that I'm a white man, that's an insane concept. But that's how far it went, you know, was just fucking crazy. And now I actually think it's created one of the best periods of comedy we've had in a long time. Uh, because the world's so fucking funny without trying because it's so insane right now. So yeah. it's like, you know, I have a bit about misgendering my dog and people, you know, assuming my dog's gender identity. That bit's not funny 10 years ago because it's too insane of an idea. But now it makes sense. So how do you keep up as a comedian then? Because, yeah, like having a believable premise to some degree like, especially if you're a storytelling comedian, if you need somebody to listen for 90 seconds to three minutes worth of material so you can get your punchline in at the end, it, it, you, they have to still, you have to keep them on, on the hook for a little while, right? So how's that been uh, writing material now? When, Because to be honest, I can't tell what the fuck's true in the news anymore. Not, not like fake news, they're lying about shit, propaganda. That's always been the case. But I mean, sometimes I see a headline, I'm like, that. there's no way that fucking happened in real life. And it definitely happened. You know what I mean? So it's like the... the Oh, it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. There's a real headline. Oh, man. I don't know if I can pull it up on my phone right now if I'll be able to find it in time. But it's along the lines of uh, lesbian woman discovers she can only have orgasms with men. There's a real headline. And I went, I think that's a straight woman. I think that's what she found out there. I think your headline is that lesbian woman finds out she's straight. That's not a, like, that's a real thing. And like, we're going to write a whole article about this. This is a worthwhile topic for people to read about. Uh, and it seems made up, but I agree. I think uh, for me, it's about, um, I like to push boundaries. I like things that are fucked up because it's what I find to be funny. And I've had moments where I go, oh, maybe I shouldn't be, as controversial and, and my special is literally called controversial because I'm English and I'm allowed to say the word cunt. Um, but the, uh, I'm jealous, by the uh, way. but I really like, this is what I think is funny. Very jealous huh? about, I'm very jealous about that. I say cunt a lot too, but we always get demonetized on YouTube for it. I'm like, man, I'm come on, man. 
I'll, I can, I'll do really? it. Really? Does that well? Yeah, you've just got to say it differently. Well, I, I do this in the special, but it's like Americans, you say it wrong. You, you know, you don't enunciate the T properly. It's like, oh, yeah, she was a cunt, a little bit of a cunt, instead of a cunt, like a proper hard T at the end. You know, there's a there's a way that the English say it that allows it. And then in, in Australia, it's just like, I mean, it's like saying, hey, mate, or hey, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, these weird ass like the weird ass reality we're living in. This this, uh, I mean, it's got to be a simulation or something because it's just getting too weird. But it isn't even all political. There's a story in the Wall Street Journal this week about how uh, these two uh, PhD engineers in uh, the UK sent some uh, fucking chicken nuggets and Slurpees from McDonald's into space on one of those what on a test spacecraft blue origin or somebody's spacecraft and then came back down and then they're selling it for a premium right so now they're going to start a business where they're sending random objects up into space and then selling it as oh this object's been to space that's a real thing that's happening in the world today there's nothing political about that or anything there's nothing woke or weird about it but or nothing woke about it but it's fucking weird as shit at no point in human history could anybody have predicted this stupid bullshit right but that's just kind of the landscape of modern Western society now. I just imagine going to someone's house and they've got some, they're like, oh, look at this, you know, thing that I've got. And you're like, okay. And like, it's, it went into space. <laughs> and you're like, well, how do you know? And like, well, they told me. The, that's such an easy thing to fake. Yeah, I mean, what is it like flat Stanley? You've got the you know, chicken what, nugget up next to your face knows? and you're taking a selfie with the earth in the background or something like, see, it's fucking the certificate of authenticity there, bud. Yeah, and you can see by the curvature of the McDonald's chicken nugget that these are, in fact, the same nuggets that could not have been replicated. Yeah. Then there's a whole fucking subreddit where people are trying to disprove that that nugget went to space. And that's that's where we live now. We live in this like weird-ass meta society now where kids are now watching other kids play video games on the internet. As a matter of fact, it's gotten a layer deep now. Kids are watching other people review other people playing video games. It's three la layers deep now. I feel like I'm in fucking Inception sometimes. Yeah, that shit blows my mind because as a kid, and I'll still play video games from time to time uh i haven't in like a year now played like fifa but i have like a, some arcade shit set up here and i've got like i love i love games i never understood the kids who would just watch even back then like as a kid would like i'm always like come on give me the controller like i want to play this thing of watching other people play video games and then people would argue well what about watching sports well that's different you can play video games whenever you want. If you can watch people play video games, you could be playing them right then. I play soccer. In order for me to play, I need 11, you know, I need 22 men to organize themselves and decide to show up to a place at the same time. I can't just play at all times, you know? Whereas you can go fucking play that video game. Why are you watching somebody play it? Yeah, it's very bizarre. It's very bizarre. But, you know, I think it's like... Um... I'm sure there's some parallel between folks just not having any social skills anymore either. Um, they're just like, I, I think there's something very voyeuristic about it. And I think vo like that voyeur fetish is deeply rooted in social anxiety and not being able to connect with other human beings, to be honest. So I think it's, uh, you know, I, I know that the younger generation and their defenders would say like, oh, you're just a fucking boomer, blah, 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 whatever. But And in a lot of cases, that's true. I don't like the whole blaming the younger generation like oh these kids these days they all fucking suck it's like well you made them fuck face i don't know what at what point you're planning on taking some responsibility for the kids you made <laughs> instead of just calling them assholes but uh anyways before well, what we, i've realized yeah, just on that is like i've been having that and it happened around like you know i'm 33 right and it's like been the last couple years where i see these like a 19 year old and i'm like Ugh, i just don't like them mm. And I'm like, what is that? Is that because this generation is bad or is it because it's just what happens to every generation? And then I realize it's not even that I don't like them. I fucking hate their haircuts. Mm. That's what it is. The stupid fucking TikTok hair with the curls in the front. Oh, you mean Patrick Mahomes hair? Yes. Because that's really what it is, right? Patrick yes. Mahomes did that and now everybody's doing it. That it's the it's the haircuts of the youth. And that's maybe the oldest sounding sentence I've ever said in my life. But 
I've realized it's just that. It's like, God damn it. What do you, how do you look at that and go? Because a lot of talk players too in England have these stupid fucking haircuts. And then I have to like this guy who plays for Liverpool in spite of his horrible haircut, just because he's actually, you know, good at soccer or whatever it is. But he's got the, they've got these fucking terrible haircuts. Yeah, well, you know, you should just become an Arsenal fan like me, and then you wouldn't have lost last weekend. But we're not going to get into that either. Um, oh, God, are you going to fucking – that's just made my blood boil. I know, that. I know. Great refereeing. I'm not even going to go down the road. <laughs> I'm not even going to go down. No, Gabriel shouldn't get a fucking red card for the exact same thing Kanate did because it's Arsenal and they should have a free pass. It's fine. Yeah, I feel like you got to be really um, – you got to be really strong, tight with that second yellow card. If it's a red card move, it's a red card move, right? But with a second yellow card that late in the match, like what the fuck, man? Well, that should have been – it should have been 10 men – on each team, Gabriel should have been sent off, and instead Nunez got a yellow card. Mm. Yeah, like I know this is where we lose all the Americans, and I could talk about this for the next hour and how fucking Paul Tierney should be. I think we should have a rule where for three minutes at the end of every match, the players are allowed to yell at referees and say anything they want with no repercussions, mm. so that they have to feel the burden of what they've done. <laughs> and then, and then they get to, and then after three minutes, right? Then they go, okay, time. And then they go, okay, cool, cheers, see you later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know what I thought? I'm a baseball fan mostly. I like, I like, I like soccer too. But in baseball, one of the rule changes that I submitted, the MLB had this like open beta kind of thing where it's like, hey, what do you think a rule change for Major League Baseball should be? And I said, if both managers agree, they should be able to kick an umpire out of the game, right? If an umpire sucks so bad that day that both managers hate him, he's gone, and you lose your game check That's for fair. that day. I think it's a really good idea. That's actually fair. My idea is more of a joke, but it's, you know, I still, I agree. actually, I think if both managers before a match decide that a certain referee mm -hmm. is not right, that they should be able to, like, there's all this data on Paul Tierney just fucking Liverpool. Oh, like, yeah, dude. Not, just not biased like me being a Liverpool fan. Like, if he ever referees a Liverpool match again, I will lose trust in the Premier League. Like, the shit he does is so absolutely outrageous that it's hard to believe or just one manager should be able to say they get one veto on a referee. Mm. Even just each manager gets one. And so you go, no, that guy fucks us every time. I mean, it's every year, to be honest. It's every year. Yeah. Klopp, Klopp had some – I think Klopp got fined for talking shit about him last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Dude, I've noticed that the commentators now are not commenting on bad refereeing decisions over the past, I'd say, six to eight weeks. It's as though the Premier League has like, they're like, hey guys, we know that there's a lot of fuck ups right now. Don't talk about it. Because after Gabriel tackled Nunez or Jota, who I think is Jota, literally tackled him, nothing happened and they didn't talk about it. I'm like, you should be, this should be the rest of the next five minutes. You should be talking about this horrible decision. And it's like they're not allowed to now. Like they can't, you know, talk down on the, the refs and it's like well why not people can talk about the manager yeah you can talk shit about a manager and say that they made the wrong decisions why can't you talk about a referee and the decisions they're making well yeah to dub or to send this back uh segue this back into what the fuck we're talking about here <laughs> instead of just uh, uh soccer um yeah the the stronger that the aristocracy becomes in any empire throughout all of human history the more anti-free speech they are right i mean that's just it has to be that way other because uh, well it technically does it as a matter of fact uh if you look at um and you're you're in the entrepreneur space so you don't understand this maybe um people look at bad or people look at bad service by a business as a failure but in customer service you look at it as an opportunity right so if somebody has a bad experience with your brand but then customer service goes out of the way to solve that problem. That person is seven times more likely to purchase from you again, right? Even though they had a bad initial experience. Now, when you map that onto leadership, uh, elected leadership or corporate leadership or whatever the fuck else, um, <clears throat> the act of saying, you know what? I was wrong. We're going to change course is very meaningful to people, I think. And if you like this, this bit of human psychology that respects authenticity and wants to be hands-off and trust that people know what they're doing, that they're going to do the right thing, is very strong. If you lean into that and say, hey, you know what, we fucked up, but we're going to fix it, people will respect that more than, uh, like, oh, the border's closed. It's been closed this whole time. It's like, all right, cool, man. Well, 
can you explain these 10 million dudes over here? Because uh, the math ain't added up so well. Yeah, no, it's the, I mean, I think vulnerability, I think the greatest leaders are the people that were willing to take criticism. I think if you look in history and you look at, uh, you know, societies that fell, it's where the king or the general or whoever it is, is unwilling to take constructive criticism anymore. And so that arrogance and that inability to tolerate being wrong leads to the downfall of that society. Yeah. Cause they're not willing to have somebody speak up. Like I tell my employees all the time, I'm like, whatever, if there's any issues, whatever, you can always bring me whatever, like, I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to get upset. Cause if there's like, if they're too afraid to be wrong or, or make a mistake, that's going to cost everybody. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you, you depend on the meritocracy, right? Otherwise, if you're a, especially if you're a manager, if you don't set up a meritocracy, then you will by necessity end up having to micromanage people. Right. Which is like the least efficient and most annoying form of leadership. So what the fuck's the point of that? Uh, you mentioned your business. Tell me, we, we know as you as a comedian, but you've got other stuff going on. Tell me about that. Yeah, so I've had, uh, I mean, I've been doing online business shit since I was like 20 years old. Um, but I had my first real company when I was like 25. I had a water filter company that I, I used to do these crazy videos where I drink out of toilets and stuff. And um, I sold that company. And then I've I had a company with a therapist and I've had a, quite a few different things, but now for the last while I've been teaching people how to make money online. So I have a business called almost passive income. So it helped people, you know, work a few hours a day and make good money, depending on whether they're a newbie or like an actual business owner. I do more consulting for like bigger businesses. Um, but I wrote a book a couple of years ago called confessions of a persuasion Hitman" about how I sold over a hundred million dollars worth of shit online. And then I have another book coming out in probably like two or three months called How to Not Be a Boring Piece of Shit. Um, that's sort of a mix of a business book and slightly comedic in ways as well. Um, and when's that one coming out? I don't know yet. I was. It's been written for a bit, but I've been, I'm releasing the special in March and I was trying to decide if I wanted to do a book launch, then the special or the special, then the book launch. And so I think I'm probably going to release it in like April or May um after the specials gone out well we'll look forward to seeing that uh tell me about uh the the business coaching stuff you do i mean i i so i've got lots lots of friends who do this stuff as well um yeah like, well austin's got a lot of the the internet marketing type of mm -hmm. folk at this point um a lot of people are leaning I, into like uh my lady included are leading into like faceless marketing consulting now like people some people don't want their face out there but they're really smart they've got good branding concept but yeah. they don't really want to put their face and their family in the fucking public eye and shit so that's kind of a new thing as well do you do you have any experience with that yes well i mean i think it really depends on the person for what you want to grow if you grow a thing that's faceless it's much easier to sell mm. the company like even my water company um i was the face of it but it was called fixed water and it was you know ultimately a brand um, whereas what I do now is largely based on me and, and my name and my face and my videos. Uh, I think it just depends on who you are. If you have, I used to want to make my shit faceless so that I could, you know, sell it more easily or not have to be dependent upon me, but I'm good on video and I'm like my personality, either people either like me a lot or they don't like me at all. And either one is fine. Um, but I'm going to make a lot more by putting my face out there and some people are not. And I think you should just do whatever's your natural disposition. Like if you have a gift for writing or being on camera or being on stage, you should utilize that. Uh, and if not, then you should definitely not make your face a big part of it. But I also understand from a privacy standpoint, I mean, I'm a comedian. It's, I, I don't care about having my face out there and stuff. I think Ricky Gervais said it best when he's like, you know, somebody's like, oh, do you know, does it bother you when people, you know, say how much they dislike the stuff you're doing? And he goes, you know, if I had a lamp and I could make a magic genie come out and he said, look, you're going to get everything you want in life. You're going to be a world famous comedian. You have one of the best shows on television. You'll make millions of pounds doing stand up. You work whenever you want. You do it. You love. And he's like, you know, I, he's like, I used to have a job I hated. He goes, but sometimes you have all these things, but sometimes somebody's going to write a mean blog about you. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'll still take it. I'm rubbing that lamp. Like, 
I think it just depends on the person and your tolerance for every fucking person now is hated. You know, it doesn't matter. I, I remember I didn't realize people didn't like Joe Rogan until a couple of years ago. I was just like, he's like the most honest, open person. How could you? And he's super generous. And people hate him. And they've never even listened. Yeah, it's pretty weird, right? It's very weird. It, well, I mean, do you think that's I, I don't know that people actually hate him. I know, I know some, they probably do to some degree, but we've kind of set up this weird paradigm now where you have to choose sides on everything, even if you don't care about it. Like people ask me sometimes when, when all this retarded nonsense started, uh, 10 years ago or so people would ask me like, man, I don't know how people used to work in offices together like this being so politically different and shit or families. I'm like, because they didn't care. They didn't talk about it. Like, I mean, they did, but it was kind of a joke. It's like your buddy would call JFK a fucking uh, communist. And then, you know, the JFK fans would be like, oh, oh look at this. And it was like, all right, cool. Let's go get fucking hammered, dude. Um, you know, it didn't it didn't matter. I think even until COVID, at least mm. it didn't really matter. Like people, you you have a friend who believes something different. You go, yeah, that's the point of humanity. We're supposed to believe different things and find common ground. Yeah. I mean, that was the point, I guess. But now it's like, you know, <clears throat> and people like try to trivialize the, the idea of, of free speech. But what free speech really means is free thought, right? Like that's, that's the real crux of that. It, it means like, uh, you know, from a libertarian position, you would think that uh, all rights uh, kind of are downstream from property rights, right? And the ultimate property is your own body. And the ultimate expression of that is being able to think bodily autonomy, being able to think what the fuck you want, say what the fuck you want. That's the ultimate human right. So, you know, it isn't just about like, oh, fucking, you just want to say mean shit or you want to say what you want or you're petulant and you don't want to fucking follow the rules or whatever the fuck else. It's like, no, sacred cows make the best burgers. It's like you, you, the, the more contentious the right over speech becomes, the more important, like you said before with comedy, the more important it becomes that everyone exercise that right all the time. Because liberty only exists if it exists for everyone all the time, right? Otherwise, we're just in a different form of authoritarianism. So, and it doesn't seem, it's the boiling frog metaphor. It doesn't Absolutely. seem all that bad at the beginning, right? It just gets turned up slowly over time, and then all of a sudden you're fucked. Right. Well, and it is that, like, you know, it, it creates such an opposition, like you've said, with, you know, with language, right? When you're looking at the words like even gay or retarded, Right. Even two years ago, I would have been terrified to say that on a podcast right now, um, even though I'm just referring to the words, mm. you know, I'm not even saying anything is those things. Um, but because it swung so far the other way, those words have become more powerful in a way because they're, you know, offensive or whatever. And I, there's one bit that I won't ruin from my special where I talk about that, that word and, and it's it wouldn't work so well as a joke if this was 2010 you know like even in in fucking uh one of the hang up was 2008 2009 i think or whatever and you have bradley cooper you know on the loudspeaker saying you know paging dr faggot yeah yeah, yeah. paging yeah. dr faggot yeah that was like and not nobody that was offended nobody yeah. yeah like that's not that long ago and nobody thought that that was you know that big a deal like a big deal at all nobody even thought about it i will say on comedy movies and this is a quick just there's a movie called good boys i don't know if you've seen it mm -hmm. i think it's probably the last truly good pure comedy that was made at least i mean it's been a while it is so fucking funny it's these 10 year olds and uh they're going on this adventure trying to have their first kissing party and holy shit it is such a funny movie. It's uh, that's written and directed by Seth Rogen, right? Which is funny because he's really offended by everything on Twitter now. And that was just like three. Years I don't ago think so. No, no, no. I don't think that's a Seth Rogen one. Well, he um, definitely produced it. I don't know if he because he, he isn't he in it. No, I think I'm wondering if you're thinking of a different movie. Maybe. Um, Good Boys is. Uh, Gene Stepney. Oh, Seth Rogen and Goldberg, other producers. You're right. Uh, produced, right, but not written by. It was uh, the other guy that wrote it. Uh, Gene, whatever the fuck his name yeah. is, I think. Yeah, yeah. well, you know. Yes, Nisky or whatever. They, they produced it. 
a lot you know, right. a lot of people uh look some of my favorite comedies are seth rogan movies shit like pineapple express oh, yeah. is one of the best comedies i've ever seen in my life him and james so franco good. in that movie are just goddamn hilarious it's like whatever fucking um, lingerers dude yeah, yeah. fucking lingering <laughs> oh my god um, yeah, bring it back. Let's do comedies again. That's what I want to see. I'm tired of all this fucking Dude, we, stupid. We movie. used to communicate exclusively as men in comedy movie quotes. Yes. That was how, like, Wedding Crashes has phrases that are still, this societal phrases at this point. And it was just from these movies. Like, they were so good that they were part of the zeitgeist of how we communicated with each other. Mm -hmm. And now there's none of that. Yeah, so now everything has got to be serious all the time. We're wondering why everybody's at their, each other's throats, right? I mean, maybe just uh, allow com – comedy is kind of like a social lubricant in the same way that alcohol is, right? Um, it, kind of, it, it, it naturally diffuses serious situations, which I think is uh, probably a useful thing. But everybody's asshole so tight they can't fit a greased BB up there. Um, but anyways, yeah, let's uh, – Let's go ahead and uh, and wrap this one up. This has been a good conversation. I appreciate you coming today. Tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find your business shit. Yeah, so on the business side, you can you can just go to almostpassiveincome.com. Um, email marketing is what I do. It's what I teach. It's my thing. So just get onto my email list, and then I will send you lots of emails, and you'll probably want to buy something, and it'll make you more money. Um, and then as far as the comedy stuff goes, uh, at becoming Ian Stanley on Instagram. And then I just launched a new YouTube channel where, uh, the special and other things will be. So that's just Ian Stanley, just my name, um, Ian Stanley comedy. So don't look for Ian Stanley tears for fears. Actually don't ever Google him because <laughs> I need to take him over on Google. And every time you search his name with tears for fears, it hurts me. Yeah. So just Ian Stanley comedy on YouTube and uh, it should pop up as that channel. And there's a, a, but there should be a bunch of shit there by the time. I don't know when this goes out, but um, I've got this bit I'm launching today about black lives matter that I think is going to do very well. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, and the book is confessions of a persuasion Hitman. Be sure to check that out as well. I'm sure it's entertaining uh, and keep an eye out for how to not be a boring piece of shit, which is something that a lot of you probably need to read. Um, <laughs> Uh, thanks for coming today, man. I really appreciate it. It's been a great conversation. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Yeah, anytime. We'll have you out for uh, Drinking Bros in person sometime. Yeah, that I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I like uh, I like drinking and I like bros. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Peanut butter and jelly. All right, thanks for coming today. I really appreciate it. Thank you all for listening. This has been Citizen. Peace.